This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're now listening to the Destination Debbie Podcast. I present your host, Ray Garvin, the creator of Destination Debbie, and your go-to source for all things Debbie and college football. All right, welcome back for episode 23 of the Destination Debbie Podcast. I'm your host, Ray Garvin. You know where to find me on Twitter at RayGQ, that's Q-U-E. Make sure you're following the show at Destination Debbie as well. And if you don't know, the DDP is a proud member of the DLF family of podcasts. You can find this show pretty much everywhere you can listen to podcasts at as well as on DynastyLeagueFootball.com. So please make sure you check out my written content over on DLF, continue following the show, as well as a bunch of other great Dynasty podcasts over on DLF. Now, now I know that I talk a lot about the 2020 prospects and the guys who are going to be entering into the 2020 NFL draft, and deservingly so. The class is potentially loaded with future All-Pros and you know Pro Bowl caliber players across each and every position. But this is a Debbie podcast, and I really want to prepare you guys for what's coming after 2020, what's coming in 2021, and potentially in 2022 and beyond. You know, I always talk about Dynasty being a game of chess, not checkers. And that chess game extends further than the 2020 class. So in this show, I want to dive into some of those 2021, 2022 prospects who will be taking college football by storm next season and in the years beyond. But, but right here, right now, just like we had the conversation, Justin Fields over Trevor Lawrence, I believe that six games into this 2019 college football season, it's time that we had the Jonathan Taylor versus DeAndre Swift conversation. Now, I have DeAndre Swift as my number one rated running back in college football. My number one rated Debbie prospect is Georgia junior running back DeAndre Swift. Jonathan Taylor is right behind him. And I mean, I don't even know if I would say he's behind him at this point in time. He's neck and neck. He's ahead of him. Some people say that he is the clear-cut running back one in this 2020 class. Let's just look at their on-season production. So DeAndre Swift this year has 66 carries for 460 yards, four touchdowns, 10 receptions for 147 yards and one TD. Jonathan Taylor has 103 rushes for 745 yards, 12 touchdowns, 12 receptions for 114 yards and four TDs. So he bests DeAndre Swift in every statistical category. Yards per carry, Swift, seven on the season. Jonathan Taylor, 7.2. 
Taylor's got more rushes. He's got more yards. He's got more touchdowns. He has more receptions, surprisingly. He has a little fewer receiving yards, so DeAndre Swift does have him in that category, but he's got four receiving touchdowns. Jonathan Taylor, 5'10", 220 pounds. DeAndre Swift, 5'9", 215 pounds. Both of them are put together very, very well. Now, we all know that the mileage on Jonathan Taylor, that he's received over 250 carries every year that he's been in college, and he's probably going to eclipse that total this season as well. Whereas DeAndre Swift shares a backfield with Heron and Zamir White and James Cook. And before that, he shared a backfield with Elijah Holyfield and there was Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb. So he's never had the backfield to himself, which is not a bad thing. It keeps him fresh. I feel good about the mileage and the wear and tear on DeAndre Swift entering into the NFL draft. But when we look at last week, Jonathan Taylor versus Kent State, 19 carries, 186 yards, four TDs. Three receptions, 29 yards, and one through the air. DeAndre Swift, he had 72 yards on 17 carries, one TD, 72 yards on four receptions, no touchdowns. So just production on field from what we see this year, Jonathan Taylor's the superior player. He's got that size-adjusted speed at 220 pounds. If he runs sub-4-5, that is outstanding. I've said it on Twitter, I've written it in articles, he reminds me of a more explosive Nick Chubb, and that is not taking a damn thing away from Nick Chubb because he's pretty doggone explosive for the Cleveland Browns in his own right. But I do think Jonathan Taylor has a little more juice than Nick Chubb. But DeAndre Swift, where I feel he he has the edge over Jonathan Taylor is, there is a difference between a running back who can catch passes and a truly dynamic weapon pass-catching running back. There is a difference between the two. I do believe that Jonathan Taylor can catch passes. In the NFL, he can stay on the field third down and not give the defense a hint as to if it's going to be a running pass based off of, you know, Taylor being in the game or out of the game. I think he's a three-down threat. However, I believe DeAndre Swift is a weapon in the passing game, and you see that with players like Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, David Johnson. Hell, I watched Austin Eckler today catch 15 passes and set a, a, a Chargers receptions record. Not Keenan Allen, not, not these great receivers who have played with that franchise, but Austin Eckler, an undrafted free agent running back, caught 15 dump-off passes. I think he had 80-something yards on those. And I just thought to myself, if... If that were DeAndre Swift or Christian McCaffrey getting 15 balls, what would they have done with those with those opportunities? In the game that the way the NFL game is played, somebody with the skill set of Swift to be able to be utilized as a weapon in the passing game, not just a safety valve, not just a dump off outlet, but somebody that you scheme plays with, you line up in the slot, Christian McCaffrey today. That touchdown reception that he had versus Jacksonville where he just ran that option route and made whatever Jacksonville defender on was on him look silly. That's the stuff that I believe DeAndre Swift can do, and I don't think Jonathan Taylor can do that. That's something that Swift doesn't have to learn. He knows that right now. He is more than proficient in that area of his game today, right now. Whereas can Jonathan Taylor eventually evolve into that? Maybe. I do see him being, you know, a weapon on screen plays and, you know, those dump off routes. But I do believe that DeAndre Swift can be deployed as a true weapon in the receiving game, which for me, for me, 
That is why I have DeAndre Swift just a tick above Jonathan Taylor in this 2020 running back class, but you really cannot go wrong with either player. I think both are phenomenal prospects. Both are going to be outstanding NFL runners. Don't worry about the mileage. I know a lot of people keep talking about the mileage, the mileage, the mileage on Jonathan Taylor. When I'm looking at running backs, you want talent. Give me the talent. I'll worry about how long he plays in the NFL after that. Honestly, I'm looking for one contract out of an NFL running back. So if you're talking about a first round pick, if you told me I'm going to get four to five, you know, Pro Bowl caliber production seasons out of my running back, and then after that, it's going to dip off and I'm going to have an RB2, low mid to low end RB2 on my hands for years six through nine, I think any of us would take that. So don't worry about that. Taylor is going to be just fine throughout the first four or five years of his NFL career. And DeAndre Swift, I do believe that he has a game that will age well. Even when his days as a between the tackle banger are over, he will still be able to be utilized in that pass catching role. So just like we had the conversation with Fields and Trevor Lawrence, this is a conversation that needs to be had because I do believe these are the top two guys in the 2020 class. Now, week six is in the books, and there were some outstanding performances across the board. Uh, Jump Burrow, LSU, 27 for 38, 344, and another five touchdowns in that game against Utah State University. Joe Burrow, his stock continues to climb. Sam Howell, the quarterback out of UNC, he had uh, 33 completions on 51 attempts, 376 yards and four TDs. Khalil Tate out of Arizona had a good game, 404 passing yards, three touchdowns. Of those guys that I just mentioned, the ones who are really, really sort of intriguing for Dynasty Debbie purposes, Sam Howell, Joe Burrow, you know, Khalil Tate, he's he's a, I don't know about him at the next level. It's somebody that we don't need to pay much attention to from the running back position. Minnesota, Minnesota quietly just one of those teams that just keeps on winning in the Big Ten. And they beat Illinois on the back of Rodney Smith, who had 211 rushing yards on 24 carries. One TD, Jonathan Taylor just talked about that man versus Kent State. 19 carries, 186 and 4. J.K. Dobbins, I'm going to talk about him in a little bit, but he had 172 in the primetime game against Michigan State. Looked really, really good in that contest. So a couple of standouts from the running back position. And then we'll finish it off with the pass catchers. Who stood out on Saturday? Brevin Jordan. Let's give some tight ends some love. Haven't heard a lot about Brevin Jordan since the first game versus Florida, but it was good to see him bounce back in a major way versus Virginia Tech. They lost that contest, but this tight end, my Debbie tight end one, Brevin Jordan, had seven receptions, 136 yards, and one TD. Looked really good in that one. Justin Jefferson. LSU with Joe Burrow slinging that ball around. It's a Jefferson game. It's a Marshall game. It's a Chase game. This one was all Justin Jefferson, 9 for 155 and 2. Gabe Davis, another player that I'll talk about here in a little bit with their stock uh, being a stock riser. He had uh, 13 receptions for 170 for UCF. Aaron Fuller, West Coast game. This game was on so freaking late, but uh, Fuller had a couple of drops in this game versus Stanford. They lost that one, but he had nine receptions for 171, so it was good to see him you know, display some of that pass-catching ability. All in all, week six of college football, it was sort of, um, ah, I don't know. It, there, was, there were some good games on for sure, but the studs, 
Some of the studs performed like studs, i.e. Jonathan Taylor, but we didn't have Alabama, so we didn't get to see Tua, you know, throw for 600 yards. Clemson didn't play. Justin Fields looked all right for Ohio State. He did enough uh, to win the game. He wasn't bad by any stretch, but it was just sort of a, a, a ho-hum weekend for college football, but it was definitely good to see some of the stars play like stars. Now, I told you, this is a heavy Debbie podcast. So let's dive a little deeper than just the 2020 class. And I want to prepare you for some guys who there are a few that I'll mention that have the potential to come out in 2020, but I very, I really believe that they're going to stay in uh, and not declare for the NFL draft. So we're talking 2021, 2022 prospects, but these are guys that you need to be paying attention to because when your Debbie draft takes place next spring, these are guys you're going to want to draft or if you if they're already rostered, maybe they're, the buy low window is still open for some of these players because going into the 2020 college football season, you're not going to be to be able to acquire them at a reasonable cost. So let's take a look at some of the 2021, 2022, and a couple of 2020 eligible prospects for your Debbie Dynasty rosters. And we're going to kick this off at the quarterback position. And someone who has really impressed me early this season is Iowa State's quarterback, Brock Purdy. Six foot one, 210 pounds. On the season, he's got over 1,500 passing yards, over 10 touchdowns. He's got 10 touchdowns, two interceptions, over 200 rushing yards, and five TDs on the ground. He is an athletic quarterback, but he's not a runner, all right? Don't mistake him for a dual threat quarterback. Uh, he's got that capability, but he can deliver from the pocket. And he's looked much better in the pocket this year, the second year starting opposed to what he did last year. And he's really, really grown on me. I think Brock Purdy has a chance to elevate himself to maybe that tier two uh, quarterback rankings in the 2021 class. You all know Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence, but after that, you know, where are your, where's your quarterback three, quarterback four, quarterback five? I can definitely see Brock Purdy climbing his way up into that, you know, QB three, QB four in that 2021 class. He's a gunslinger. You know, he, he plays a little reckless, but not so reckless that it's going to damage his team. He, he just, he takes chances and he's got the arm talent to do it. So Brock Purdy is somebody who is rising as a 2021 Debbie prospect for me as well as true freshman uh, Ryan Helensky out of South Carolina, six foot three, 230 pounds. He took over for uh, Bentley, Jake Bentley, who was hurt uh, for a season-ended injury. He's got 912 passing yards, five touchdowns, and three interceptions. But, man, this kid has brought Brian Edwards back from the grave. They've got a tight end down there at South Carolina. He's delivering the ball to. I can't think of his name. Number nine, talented tight end kid. Keep him on your radar. But Alinsky is somebody that I think uh, can really, really elevate himself to be up there. He's not eligible until 2022. So when you're talking about 2022, you got Bo Nix, Jaden Daniels. I think Helensky is somebody who could be right there, you know, maybe even ahead of Bo Nix in that 2022 class. He's only going to get better and better and better as South Carolina builds that program around him. A name, keep on your radar, Ryan Helensky. Really like what I've seen out of that young man early this season. And let's go to North Carolina and talk about Sam Howell. Now, North Carolina was a dumb triple option away from upsetting the number one team in the nation at home last week versus Clemson. I have no clue why they ran a triple option to win the game for a two-point conversion. Made absolutely no sense. 
But at quarterback, Sam Howell caught my eye. And the first thing I thought when watching it is, man, he, he looks pretty big. Like he's built quite, you know, built really well. And he is. He's six foot one, 225 pounds. He's thrown for over 1,500 yards, 15 touchdowns, and three inter- only three interceptions on the season. Sam Howell is something. He might be a player and somebody who's not eligible for 2020. So he'll have an opportunity to grow and get better. And, you know, with I really believe that with Mac Brown as the coach, and if you guys don't know, Mac Brown was a longtime head coach of University of Texas, the Longhorns there. Mac Brown knows what he's doing. And if Sam Howell is putting up numbers like this right now as a freshman, I can only imagine what he's going to do in a year or two. So Sam Howell, Ryan Holinsky, and uh, Brock Purdy are three quarterback prospects for Debbie-related purposes. We need to have our eyes on. We need to continue to check the box scores. We need to watch these games when they're on TV because all three of these guys are very talented quarterback prospects. Now let's move on to the running back position. And I've got three guys I want to bring to your attention. And one of them was on, two of these guys were on display on Saturday. And I just got so excited because I know both of these guys are going to be legit next season. And I'm going to start with Elijah Collins, the redshirt freshman running back from Michigan State. Six foot, 217 pounds. He's got 90 uh, 90 rushes on the season for 476 yards and three touchdowns. He wears that number 24. So the first thing you think of when you see him in that Michigan State backfield is Le'Veon Bell. And, you know, Lev wore that number 24 jersey back at Michigan State a few years ago. But this kid isn't Le'Veon Bell at Michigan State. And for those of you who don't know, the Le'Veon Bell that you see at the, in the NFL is not the same Bell who was at Michigan State. He was a big-bodied bruiser at Michigan State who was not as agile as he is in the NFL uh, Bell, kudos to him for really remaking his body and transforming his game to what it is now. But Collins, man, this kid is good. And I'm in multiple Debbie leagues, and I don't know one single person who drafted him during the startup. So he's going to be available in Debbie drafts next year in those existing leagues. And if I have a first round pick, and it's a little bit later in the Debbie draft or an early second, I will be targeting Elijah Collins because this kid is dynamic. I believe he's got five receptions on the season, so you'd like to see him get a little more work in the passing game. But between the tackles, his explosion, his power, his vision, it's all there. So uh, Elijah Collins, that's, that's somebody who, who we all need to have on our radars. He's going to be a very, very good prospect. Uh, for the NFL, not just for college football. I mean, NFL, he's going to get serious consideration when the time comes, as well as the guy who is playing on the other side of the field, Master Teague. And I tweeted this out Saturday night watching that game. Master Teague is going to be next year's version of Chuba Hubbard. He's a retro freshman playing behind an All-American running back in J.K. Dobbins, who's absolutely tearing it up right now. 5'11", 220 pounds. So he's just flashing. He's, he's not going to have the opportunity to, to, to be the lead dog in that backfield this season. But next year, as a redshirt sophomore, it's wheels up for Master Teague. And I think he is going to smash epic proportion levels. I, I, I do believe that it's going to be very Chuba-esque. So, hey, I'm not one for I told you so, but I'm telling you now, if you can trade for Master Teague, 
if your Devi startup did not uh, include him being selected. This is somebody, if I had the 101 in a Devi draft next year, so your Devi league is already existing, you've got the 101, you know, Rondell Moore is off the board, Justin Ross is off the board, I have, no, I would have no problem selecting Master Teague first overall in that, in that 2020 Devi draft. So I, I think that as a redshirt sophomore, just as Chuba is a redshirt sophomore this year and is leading the nation in rushing, we can very well see that same ascension from Master Teague in Ohio State. The last guy I want to talk about is another redshirt freshman from Louisville, Javion Hawkins. So Hawkins is built a little bit different than these other running backs. He's five foot nine, 182 pounds, so he's on the smaller side. Very, very fast. He's 15th in the nation in rushing yards. 91 carries, 562 yards, and two touchdowns. Hasn't done anything through the air, but last week uh, in his game versus Boston College, he had 25 carries for 172 yards, averaged 6.9 yards a carry, and also had a touchdown. This kid is a retro freshman, didn't do anything as a, in his freshman season, but man, is he explosive. And if you ever watch a Louisville game, pay attention to number 10, Javion Hawkins. Can he be a lead bell cow at the next level? At 182 pounds, history tells us no. I know there are a few outliers, and Philip Lindsay looks absolutely dynamic for the Broncos, but it, it's not a good bet to, to bet on outliers, and that's what Javion Hawkins would be. But as somebody who can be a dynamic change of pace weapon, uh, if he can develop that pass-catching acumen, he's somebody that we've got to keep our eye on and just follow, pay attention to. You don't need to write this name down, down right now, but Javion Hawkins, Louisville running back number 10, another one of those 2021-2022 prospects that we just need to know about here. So let's move on over to the pass catchers, the wide receivers, and I love talking wide receivers, and there are some really, really good ones, and I want to start with Nebraska's true freshman, Wandell Robinson, 5'10", 190 pounds, was a high four-star recruit coming out of high school, and 24-7 sports, you know, they like to do comps, and they comped Wandell Robinson to Purdue wide receiver Rondell Moore. Both of those guys were sort of that running back wide receiver hybrid coming out of high school, but anytime you start Start comping to dynamic, transcendent talents like Rondell Moore, you've got my attention immediately. But uh, Rondell is a fantastic wide receiver. Last week versus Northwestern, he had seven receptions for 123 yards. On the season, 25 catches, 326 yards, and two touchdowns. He's just, he's explosive. He's not the biggest guy in the world, but 5'10", 190, that's not a death sentence at the next level. He's somebody who can definitely be a number two uh, a dynamic slot receiver at, at at the NFL level. He's somebody that we need to not only write down, pay attention to, we need to draft. You need to draft him in your Debbie drafts next spring. And if he's already rostered, you need to send offers out to acquire him because he is very talented. He's not eligible for the NFL until 2022, but hey, Debbie show, let's talk a little bit deeper. Let's make moves. Let's strategize. Let's think five moves ahead so you can have a leg up on your league mates. And Rondell Robinson gives you that leg up 
as well as Georgia uh, true freshman wide receiver George Pickens. And I've talked about Pickens a couple of times. Six foot three, 190 pounds, true freshman. He's got 12 grabs on the year for 185 and two. Now, first of all, that's not a lot, but Georgia didn't throw the ball a lot. Jake Fromm had 280 last week, and it felt like he threw for 500 yards because that's just that's not how Georgia plays offense. They they grind it out, they run the ball, they don't take a lot of shots deep. But when you just look at Pickens' stature, his body composition, his makeup, I hate to do it. I really don't like doing this, but man, he reminds me of former Georgia wide receiver A.J. Green. They look very similar. I believe that A.J. Green is a more explosive athlete than George Pickens, but man, this kid can go get it. He can get downfield. He can make those crazy catches. He can make those tough grabs, and he's doing it right now as, I would say, the lead guy in that passing attack. Uh, Cager looked pretty good as well, but Pickens is going to be a stud. He is going to be ridiculous. And another one of those guys in your Debbie drafts next spring, late first, early second. Hell yeah, take that chance on George Pickens. Now, this player right here from Wake Forest, Sage Surratt, uh, he's a redshirt sophomore, so he is eligible for the 2020 draft. Will he come out? I don't know. But if he does not come out, he's going to be right up there in that second tier of 2021 eligible wide receivers after your Justin Rosses, after Rondell Moore, after Amon Ross St. Brown. And there's a case to be made that Sage Sherrod needs to be tier one. You know, you rank inside the tier, so he's not going to be above Moore, not going to be above Justin Ross. But he can be, you know, that fourth, fifth wide receiver in the 2021 class. Right now, he's currently sixth in uh, receiving yards in college football. I mean, six foot three, 215 pounds. He's a big kid. He's a better than average athlete. You know, you're not going to mistake him for a four three guy, but he can get down the field. He can climb the ladder. He's physical at the point of attack. He's somebody that I'm extremely, extremely anxious to see uh, if he declares or if he does not declare. If he does declare, I can see him working his way into a mid mid round draft pick, and then from there, you know, he'll have the opportunity to make plays in mini camp and training camp, and we'll see what will happen. But I think the best thing that he could do is come back to school for one more year. Who am I to give this kid any kind of freaking advice? So I have no clue. But as a redshirt sophomore, I do have to mention that he is eligible to uh, enter the 2020 NFL draft, as well as this next player uh, from Oklahoma, Charleston Rambo, six foot one hundred seventy five pounds. Somebody on Twitter at the beginning of the season asked me about Rambo, and I can't for the life of me think of who it was because I would give him credit, but I kind of dismissed it. I was like, man, he, he didn't do much last year, and, you know, CeeDee Lamb and Grant Calcaterra and all these other players, but Rambo has flashed. He's got 383 yards and four touchdowns on 14 receptions. Now, Oklahoma's offense, they get their guys open. They scheme very, very well. But anybody who's got 14 grabs and damn near 400 yards and four TDs, Rambo can go. This kid can fly. He can move. He's, you know, he's got decent size. He's sort of built like Devonta Smith from Alabama, although he looks a little bigger than Devonta Smith. I think Rambo is somebody, if he comes back, and I don't know why on earth he would declare for the draft, but you never know these guys' personal situations and what they have going on in their lives. But if he comes back, he could be that number one, along with Jaden Hazelwood, in that Oklahoma Sooners passing attack. And who knows what incoming transfer quarterback Lincoln Riley is going to get uh, in ties to Oklahoma next season. So it could be wheels up for Charleston Rambo. So, you know, Sam Howell, Elijah Collins, Master T, Javion Hawkins, 
Ryan Holinsky, Brock Purdy, Wandale Robertson, George Pickens, Sage Sherratt, Charleston Randall. These are just some guys who are eligible or potentially eligible in 2021 and beyond that you need to pay attention to. You need to follow them throughout this college football season, and you need to draft them next year in Debbie Drafts. You know, the beauty of Debbie is just when we think we have it all figured out, when we know everybody in college football who's going to hit, who's going to be a star, who's going to blow up, who we can depend on, every single year there are players who come out of nowhere and just sort of shine. And week six, my stock up report for week six, I've got four wide receivers that I want to talk about who I think their stock is just rising tremendously. And the first guy that I want to talk about is Texas wide receiver Devin DuVernay. DuVernay is one of the nation's leaders in receptions. He's 5'11", 210 pounds, slot receiver, does it all for the University of Texas. He's been reported to have sub 4'4 speed. DuVernay has worked his way into a day two selection, and I can see him. He's got that same body size, same body composition and build as Debo Samuel. I mean, their, their, their production is not the same because Debo was productive as a freshman all the way through his time when he left South Carolina. But Devin DuVernay has come on as a senior and just taken uh, Austin and, and Austin by storm. And he's going to be a very, very good pro. If you want to watch a game where it just kind of exemplifies who Devin DuVernay is, is watch him versus LSU. He put Grand Delpit on his highlight tape twice. He showed tremendous speed, that long speed, breakaway ability, tough catches, physicality. He's somebody that I can see just dominating in the slot at the next level. So Devin DuVernay, week six, stock up, as well as UCF wide receiver Gabe Davis, the big body receiver, 13 grabs on Saturday. Another one of those UCF guys, they produced Traycon Smith, and you know he's somebody that can can continue to rise. He's big. I think believe he's about six foot three. He's got good speed. So Gabe Davis, I, I think his stock is up from week six. Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State, speed demon. Jaden Daniels, they've got a quarterback that can actually deliver accurate passes. With Nikhil Harry out of the way, the senior has taken over. So if you're watching the Arizona State Sun Devils game, Brandon Ayuk. Number two from Arizona State, check him out. He is good. He is fast. He is dynamic. Six foot one, 205 pounds. I like everything that I've seen from this kid. And it's it's kind of fun watching an Arizona State wide receiver separate because that was not Nikhil Harry's greatest strength. So watching this kid be able to make moves to get open, to flash that long speed is really refreshing when watching the Sun Devils play. And the last guy I want to talk about stock up, you know I've got to talk about my man who finally had a, and I'm going to just say blow-up game. He didn't even have over 100 receiving yards. He only had four grabs, but TCU wide receiver Jalen Rager. His stock has been so down this season, so for me to not have him in the stock-up report, that would be crazy. Both of his touchdown catches were just fantastic, his display of athleticism. And at only 5'10", 5'11", he's got this ability to jump. He was a, a, a national uh, in track and field, he did the long jump. And at one point in time, he had the longest long jump in the nation uh, in high school. So this kid is an athletic freak. He can jump out of the building. He just mossed. And it was so bad that he actually was on 
uh, ESPN's pregame for uh, football this Sunday on the You Got Moss segment because he just mossed uh, two Iowa State defenders on both of his touchdown grabs. But Rager just showing when he does have an opportunity to make plays, he will produce. So everybody out there who is just panicking because they only had about 10 grabs for 100 yards on the season coming into this game, go buy Rager. Go get him. He's going to be drafted high. He is not falling out of the second round in the NFL draft. And with that draft capital, with his skill set, his speed, his physicality, his toughness, his versatility, if you can get him at the back of the first, early second, and your dynasty rookie drafts next year, money. Money. And I'm just going to tell you right now, you're not going to be able to get him if you're in a league with me because I will select him because he is that talented. Now, stock down, week six, I've got two guys, and they both play the quarterback position. Both of them I've talked about on the show, um, Utah State quarterback Jordan Love and Nate Stanley, the quarterback from Iowa. Both of these guys had opportunities to show the world, to show scouts, to show the nation that they belong with the top-tier quarterbacks in the 2020 class, and I think both of them did everything in their power not to be moved into that top one, top two tier. Jordan Love, you know, I I understand Utah State, their weapons on the outside, their offensive line, going into Death Valley versus LSU. It was an insurmountable task to ask Utah State to win that game. And Jordan Love did throw a nice ball or two in that game. But for the most part, he just looked completely overwhelmed, completely overmatched. 50% completion percentage, three interceptions, everything that he didn't, he shouldn't have shown, he showed. And I just don't know how you can can select him early, especially those of you who play in Superflex leagues. You know, there's a lot of season left, but this was a big opportunity for him versus one of the best defenses in the nation to just show, you know, yes, I'm devoid of talent, but I can play with these guys. And it just didn't look like he can play with them. Even on that play, You know, everyone's going to point to that rollout pass where he dropped a nice dime. He left the pocket for no reason. I mean, maybe he was powering up to throw the ball, but there was no reason for him to leave the pocket. I just wanted to see the traits and the skills, and Jordan Love uh, just did not impress me. So stock down for Utah State quarterback Jordan Love and Nate Stanley versus Michigan. Again, you know, stage to himself uh, early morning on Saturday. And, I mean, he was just throwing the ball to Wolverines. I mean, just lofting it up floating the ball, coming off of a couple of good games. I was like, okay, Nate Stanley working his way up. I've seen, you know, some of the big-name draft guys talk about if Nate Stanley was in the 2019 class, he would have been a first-round pick. Or, you know, there were people who had him as one of the top-rated quarterbacks in the class. And no thank you. (laughs) I get it. It's one game. But when you need to perform against these top teams, against LSU, against Michigan, who is, you know, supposedly a, a, a very tough defensive team, and you just lay a stinker, it's hard for me to get excited. So I'm not writing these two off. I'm not saying they suck. They're bums. They'll never amount to anything. But stock up, if we're talking about players who have a stock up, then there are some players who who stock dipped a little bit in week six. And those two for me are, are two guys whose stock has took a little bit of a hit. Now, my primetime performer for Debbie Dynasty-related purposes is Ohio State's running back, J.K. Dobbins. And I'm taking this segment to just talk about J.K. because I'm one who said I wasn't really high on J.K. coming in, and rightfully so. 
Last season, he split all those carries with Mike Weber. He did not look the same. He looked much slower. Um, he looked like he was injured. I saw somebody tweet that they're glad that JK is finally healthy. So I don't know what he was dealing with in 2018, but I know what defensive coordinators are dealing with in 2019 trying to tackle this kid. He looks great. J.K. Dobbins looks freaking phenomenal this year and versus Michigan State, who is supposed to have a tough run defense, he tore him up. 172 yards on 24 rushes, one TD, 7.2 yards per attempt on the season. He's got 826 rushing yards. He's got seven receptions, six TDs on the ground, one through the air. Last year, he had 1,053 rushing yards, averaged 4.6 yards a carry and 10 TDs. He's almost got more yards now on over 100 less carries than he had all of last year. Now, last year, he did have 26 receptions. He kind of worked as that pass catching back with Mike Weber there. But J.K. Dobbins, moving him up. He is a tier one running back. I'm loving what I'm seeing out of J.K., so he, for me, is my primetime performer. He's the guy that I walked away from week six saying, damn, he impressed me, and damn, he looks good. So J.K. Dobbins, credit to you, young man, for proving me wrong. I love to be proved wrong, especially when there are players who I know that are going to help my dynasty rosters here in the next, next year or two. So J.K. Dobbins, my DDP primetime performer of week six. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. I hope you've enjoyed your flight. We'll be landing in just a few minutes. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Destination Debbie Podcast. If you have yet to do so, please subscribe to the show. And if you are on iTunes, please leave me a five-star review and a rating. I would really, really appreciate it. Um, if content on Twitter has been a little bit slow, uh, I had the birth of my second child this week. So trying to juggle two kids at home and wife is doing well, but kind of trying to juggle all of that can be time consuming, but I'm going to keep these episodes coming. I appreciate every listening ear and all the support that you guys and, and love that you guys show me on Twitter and on this platform. So, Hey, I'm rambling now. You guys know what's next. Drop the music. Peace.